Welcome to the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. I'm Jamie Allison, and uh, this is where we talk to high performers across a number of different fields and uh, from a bunch of different influencer areas. And uh, so think of it as a bit of a, a mashup of, um, say, Success Magazine and uh, Tribe of Mentors. We're, we're trying to get some of those high performers and learn from them to find out you know, what they did to get to where they are um, and really hone, on, hone in on a couple of kind of key things that, that they do really, really well. So we're going to be doing that and continuing that today. Um, one thing I wanted to do at the start, like we do in a lot of our uh, episodes, is that um, we've asked everybody, if you haven't already done it, make sure you subscribe. So go on there, hit the subscribe button, either on uh, our website, which is www.bigideabigmoves.com, um, or you can go on to any kind of podcast uh, um, platform that you're on and make sure you do that and leave a review. So so one review that we had recently on uh, iTunes came from uh, MindfulMe123. Um, just wanted to, to kind of highlight that one because uh, they uh, had highlighted it saying powerful storytelling. Um, basically, I'll, I'll just read it out. Um, really great conversation and insights. Courage is something you hear a lot about, but not everyone has the power to be courageous. I learned a lot from Jamie and Amy, and that's Amy Perkins, which uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to do that, check into it, um, about how to live an authentic life and be true to yourself. So so thanks uh, to them, and and please make sure that you keep, uh, uh, keep listening and, and if you haven't uh, reviewed it, do that. A um, couple of things just to get out of the way before we jump into our episode today is that um, we're going to tell you about um, Humber River Hospital here in Toronto. Um, they're a community hospital and uh, they're in kind of northwest Toronto if, if you're from this community. Um, they're about a thousand bed hospital and uh, and they their new um, command center that uh, monitors patient data um, basically has them at the leading edge of healthcare. So if you're a nurse, if you're an occupational therapist, um, anybody kind of in those uh, those areas or a technology area, technologist area, um, make sure you check out their website. It's hrh.ca and uh, and they'd love to, to kind of have you come on board. Um, also, if you're looking to transform your human resources or, or how you find talent, um, check out Epitome HR and that's www.epitomehr.com. Um, hit 2020 running and, and make sure that you kind of jump in there. Um, because uh, we've got a couple of things on that site. Um, one, you'll see that uh, uh, there is a, a transformation um, process chart that you can kind of take a look at, and we're going to link that to the podcast as well, so you'll be able to access that. So um, we are really, really happy to have uh, um, somebody with us today that um, um, has uh, a lot of people will kind of recognize, I, I think, um, for some of the, the work that he's done before. But um, um, Jake Gold is, is one of those high performers that we, uh, um, we look at uh, on this podcast all the time. And he's the president and CEO um, of the Management Trust. He's, I would say, pretty legendary. A lot of people uh, um, you know, know him from a few things, not the least of which is being able to find really good talent. And, and one of those uh, uh, that you may know about is uh, the Tragically Hip um, and uh, uh, took them from a small pub band to uh, to what I say is probably icon status in, in Canada um, and, and around the world in, in a lot of uh, areas as well. Um, he has been, uh, his company's been awarded Music Manager of the Year three times. Um, and you may know his face from uh, Canadian Idol. He was, uh, he was on that for that 
that, uh, that run and uh, made him a, a bit of a celebrity from that standpoint as well. Um, and, uh, and, and I think what we're going to really jump into today is, is his uh, talent at being able to find people. And that's the thing that I think regardless of industry, um, it's really interesting to be able to find out how people see that talent and, and move forward with it. One thing that uh, I noticed, I mean, it's, it's cold, it's kind of, uh, um, it's almost kind of holiday time. And one thing I found really uh, different is a bit of a departure is that I, I know that I think your group um, has uh, Fashion Santa as one of your people. That's a bit of a departure, I think, but where did that come from? Well, you know, stars are stars. True. So uh, you said it off the top about, you know, um, uh, managing talent. And Paul Mason, who is Fashion Santa, who uh -huh. developed the brand, trademarked the brand, um, is a is a is a superstar model. Yeah, that's what he is, yeah. and he's he's definitely a star, and um, and he's no different than other stars uh, in terms of uh, his talent. He's just talented at different things. You know, I work with authors uh -huh. um, as well. And yeah. there are certain ones you just know are stars and certain ones just aren't. And it's, it's you know, the idea of, um, of finding talent um, that could potentially be s successful, yeah. you know, boils down to one thing. And people always say to me, you know, well, what do you do? And I say, well, really what I do is I spot charisma. Right. Right. It's so, it, it, and I guess that's it. People is it, who is it can a gut move feel people. With people. Like, how do you, how do you, for me, it that? is. Yeah. For me, it is. I'm not always right. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just me telling me I like it. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, oh, this thing can move people. You know, in the case of Paul Fashion Santa, yeah. Um, you know, he has his heart in the right place. He's his things always about giving back. So, and no matter what activation we do with whatever brand we work with, there's always a, a charity component to it. Um, and his goal is he wants to have one of the biggest Christmas fashion brands in the world. Yeah, and be worldwide. Yeah, and I like that kind of thinking. I like people who are ambitious. Yeah, because then I don't have to motivate them. In a lot of ways, they push me. Yeah. which is great too. Yeah. Um, and those are the kind of people you want to work with that have ambition. So, okay, that leads me to, uh, let, let's rewind, I guess, to where mm -hmm. kind of where you started and where that kind of big piece went. Um, you were kind of one of those people who who found The Hip, which is is one of those bands that's that's just, as I said, I think iconic. Um, how, did, how did you know or did you know that where they were going to go. Like Instant, instantly. Yeah. I've told this story uh, upteenth amount of times. Yeah. Um, I'd been a manager since 81. Yeah. So I'm actually about, I think I'm what, entering my 40th year. Yeah. Um, and uh, I started a new company with a partner named Alan Gregg in 1986. Yeah. And in August of 86, we got sent a cassette tape and we listened to it and we said, let's set up a gig to see them. And a week later, we set up a gig at a place called Larry's Hideaway, which was in a, a building at uh, Jarvis and Carlton, which yep. is no longer there. Yep. Um, that building was torn down. And uh, they they came and played. And 30 seconds into the first song, I looked at Alan. I said, we're signing these guys tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You just knew. You just knew. Yeah. They had. Well, is it, was it presence? Was it? Gord Downey was yeah. like. Yeah. It was it's electric, anything, right? Electric, so yeah. Well, and, and so did the crowd, yeah. Because that's one of the other things. The when I go to see see bands, 
is I look around the room and he hit the stage, opened his mouth and the place, you could just feel it. You just knew that we were witnessing something like historic and special. Yeah. And, and, and for what it's worth, you know, I had managed other acts up until that point and yep. I thought I knew <laughs> what greatness was yep. until I saw him. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, this is the bar. And so the new the bar was set at that point. Yeah, yeah. You just suddenly moved it. And have you seen it again at that level? I, I think I I think I thought I have, and yeah. I have seen elements of it. But okay. that is a whole other level. The package of, is completely well. Different. You know, I mean the the way they play together and Gord up front, and it's so unique and different. You know, yeah. they're really the four guys are really a straight ahead kind of rock and roll band. Yeah. And then you have this, you know, enigmatic, enig enigmatic singer yeah. who um who defies sort of uh description yeah. against a, a, a basically a straight ahead rock and roll band. Yeah. Um now you you helped build their brand because it's still even even with that. See, you I, have to I, be able to when build I, it. when it comes to art, I don't like using that okay. word. Okay. What, what how how do you want to use it's it? It's art. Okay. So how do you, how did you build the recognition? The recognition. By the way, that term brand didn't yeah. even start till the like till That's true till like the That's late nineties two thousand. All of a sudden, it's like your personal brand and yeah. all that bullshit. And it's yeah. like <laughs> it's art. It's like so. How did you, how did you get it so that people knew about them? Because um, that's a chunk well, of your role, there, right? There, there was that? a lot of strategy yeah. that went into yeah. it um, to the extent of, you know, we recognized what we had. Yeah. We also recognized that not it wasn't for everybody Yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. And we knew that it had to be built from inside, not from outside. Right, right. Right? So it was like you know, 200 gigs a year, 250 yeah. gigs a year, like yeah. real grassroots stuff because we knew at the beginning it wasn't a radio band. Uh, well, and that's what's, I think, even that much more um, impactful about them is that they were built off of their stage presence you more know, so than anything today, uh, I, I would say. No, but, but th there are still bands trying to do it today that yeah. way. Um where the market has changed, and and we don't, we we, we can get into that part of it. Yeah. But where the market has changed is that now the 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 barrier to entry is not nearly the same as it used to be. But yeah. used to be, you know, it was two hundred dollars for a reel of two inch tape yeah. just to record. Right. You know, now right. bands are making records for that, and and in a in a moment's notice, it's up on Spotify and Apple Music and everything through through you know an aggregator yeah you know yeah so so the barrier to distribution and access to the marketplace is not the same as it used to be the difference is 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 that or not the difference what still remains the same yeah. is you still have to be really great yeah so in fact because the barrier has the barriers have come down it's allowed for a lot of crap yeah <laughs> And it's allowed for yeah. a lot of clutter. Yep. So now it's you still have to go fan by fan, unless you have, unless you have a hit song. If you're in the pop world and you have a hit song, sure. then you know hit songs change all the rules. Yeah. Right. But if you're gonna have, you know, also if you're gonna have a long lasting career, especially as a rock band. Yeah. Um, it's uh, 
I always like to say it's, it's basic physics. You know, the angle of incidence is equal to the angle of refraction. Okay. <laughs> so it's get out there and do it. Right? <laughs> do you want you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Well, when I, I think say so. That? I know. Well, okay, I, so yeah. if you if you if you take that physics statement yeah. and 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 it was an experiment we did in like junior high school yeah. where you shined a light on a mirror. Yeah. And if you shined it straight up at the mirror, the the reflection came straight back down. Yep. So if your career path is straight up, it could potentially be straight back down. If your career path is on a 45 degree angle or, and it's, then the reflect, ref, reflection will be the same. So it's kind of the one hit wonder versus the extended career. Exactly. Ah. So okay. now what's different today, I think, about that is that um, if you're a pop act and you have a hit song, yeah. if you continue to have hit songs, then you will stay up there. Yeah. But you're still dependent on that hit song. Yeah. Cause that's what you're known for. That's your, your whole guidepost is that one. Song. Right. Right. Or the, song, so or the next song or the next song, the next song, but right. you have to continue to put out right. those kinds of songs. So, you know, our goal was always, um, we want people to buy the records before they heard them. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because that's usually, usually the, it's you're probably in a, you're in, you're in a, pub somewhere and you hear somebody or you're in a small venue and that's where you start to connect with somebody and then right. you're following them. Right. And that's how. Okay. Right. So that, that's what you want. You want to build a constituency that, that is, is, is basically trusting you to deliver the goods each time. Yeah. And they will judge you um, differently because they already like you. So it's like when, when I was growing up listening to music, there were certain bands like, you know, Genesis and Yes. When they would put a new record, I would just go get it. Yeah. I didn't have to hear it first. Yeah. I would go get it. And then I would put it on and I'd make my own judgment yeah. at that point. But I didn't like them any less yeah. because it didn't wasn't this or it wasn't what it was before. I would judge them for where they were at in their career at that point. So you could you could make the argument that it's not a lot different where everybody is is still pushing for community building and things like and it might just be how it happens differently in different um, not necessarily just music but um, in business everybody's saying let's let's try to kind of build a community where people you know you get that it's, kind it's, of connection. It's no different than politics either. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's it's. Um it's building, it's definitely building a community. And now everyone has terms for it all. Yeah. And a brand. Right. <laughs> Everybody has terms now so, for so, that stuff. So to my point, it was, you know, um, the strategy was a fan first strategy. Right. And that's kind of been my thing. Yeah. Fan first strategy. Over service, the completists. Yeah. So now that, you were talking about the the kind of barriers to entry are are lower, mm -hmm. and it means there's so much out there right now. Right. Um, the same as again, it's the same in other industries right now. One of the things that has changed is um, is not just the technology of how that happens. Right. But um, I I had actually read I think it was a Financial Times article that said um, they called it music's Moneyball moment, where people were talking about the influence of using data and using analytics the same way as you get in a lot of areas in in business but that they were saying that you know today's manager has to be both artistic 
and analytic. And what, what are your thoughts on that? Considering kind of, you know, but I was, we were always like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that maybe, maybe you didn't just aggregate a whole bunch of data, but you were getting data. Yeah. I mean, our data wasn't necessarily coming to us in the same way it is today, Yeah, but we were still doing analysis of, you know, where our markets were and where, where it was strong. And, you know, we had previous history, we had, um, uh, we had, we, we had knowledge of, you know, when you think about it, if you're, if you're getting, um, your record played on 10 radio stations and you're not getting played in Halifax, you probably aren't going to sell as many tickets in Halifax than you are in the markets where you are getting radio play. Yeah. This was back then. I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. So that's data. Same decision points. It's, right. It's just how you're getting the information. So now I can look at a streaming uh, platform and I can look at all the data and yeah. see where the pockets are, where the fans are. Right. And I, yeah. you know, my, the agent for the group and I will look at that stuff and go, okay, well, we seem to have some good pockets in the Northeast or the Midwest or, you know, you know, in the U.S. and stuff like that, or, you know, across the prairies. I mean, you know, for what it's worth, when we were first put out the first uh, up to here, the first full-length hip record, um, it broke out of Calgary. Oh, really? Like, that's where the sales really started to bubble up, Hmm. right? Where most people thought it would have been Toronto. Yeah, yeah. But it actually started to really break out of Calgary. Really? But But it wasn't Edmonton, it was Calgary. Right, so it wasn't the whole province. Yeah. It was like yeah. that's where we saw the big sort of traction start. Yeah, to start to happen was Calgary, but we could do that by just monitoring, you know, record stores. Yeah, yeah. So the, all that data points were there. They were just diff- there in different ways. Makes sense. Now, you know, promoters, yeah, for many years would call the local record store. Yeah, whenever an agent would pitch them an act. That they didn't know enough about or anything, or if especially if it wasn't getting played on the radio, yeah, they would call the local record store and go, you know, are you selling any of these records? Like, what's happening in in at, you know? Yeah. And they would get the information from the local record store. Yeah. Well, it's probably it, it's it says more than just numbers anymore, too, right? And you probably actually get insights and everything else. Well, the type of people and well, you know, and there's an argument that says, you know, because someone streamed a song. Sure. Doesn't necessarily mean they're big they're fans. Well, and bot streams and everything else right. Now too, and, right? And so. and if you go on to the to Spotify, yeah. there's one one section where you can actually follow the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that information's become way more important than the streams because you can get on a playlist that has two million uh subscribers to the playlist. Yeah. And you all of a sudden can have two million plays yeah. on a song. But have you built that community? But around? you haven't built any community, correct? Right. So back again to that, you know, um, to that community side of things. Yeah. Now moving ahead in your career a little bit, jumping to uh, the Canadian Idol piece. Um, how was? I mean, again, it's that we've talked about how you found talent, how you did that. How different was that when it's a bit of a? Uh, it, it was it a little bit manufactured, and how is that different than than other kind of things? A lot of people actually listening here probably don't know people like Jacob Hogarth was some from Headley was one of those people. Carly like Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae Jepsen. You know, there there are people that were there that um, you know are are big stars, and so you know it was 
Did you find that it felt a little bit kind of different in how you found that talent and how you moved them forward? Well, remember, it wasn't just me. There was yeah. three other people yeah. to make a decision on it. So, um, and, you know, our decisions were only made to get people to the top 20. Yeah. But after that, it was up to and the public. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, we could, with our comments. Sure. You can sway. Well, it wasn't well, sway. sway. I would, I would more say influence. Yeah. Like if we really liked someone and we wanted to, and we liked what they were doing, we yep. would we would praise them. Sure. But it was it was genuine. Yeah. It wasn't like some edict down from above from the producer saying, okay, only positive comments about yeah, yeah. this person. That that <laughs> we were never ever told what to say. Yeah. Sometimes they would say, uh, we'd I'd rather you didn't say that. Like if it was maybe cross the gray line of being you know, maybe not proper or whatever. Yes. Like I, yeah. I once got held up. Um, I didn't get held up, but I got called out after a show for saying the word chip. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Which, yep. which I didn't know what it referred to. Yeah. I was yeah. oblivious yeah. to yeah. it. And then yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I won't say it again. Sure. You know, which it's like, makes sense. Yeah. Those kinds of things. Yeah. Right. But never anything about your comments and what you, you know, and, and your thoughts, I guess, behind the artist. Yeah. 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 So, you know, in the case of Carly Ray, we always thought she was special. Yeah. Like, we thought she was amazing. Yeah. Like, and we knew it from the beginning. In fact, interestingly enough, there's uh, there's one of them, uh, Steffi D, mm -hmm. who, who's in, in Come From Away right now. And yep. she's been in this cat, the Toronto cast forever. And she's an amazing performer and super talented. And she was 17 when she was on the show. It was yeah. like 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Or more, maybe 12 years ago. And her and I have remained friends. She actually lives in the apartment building right next door to me. <laughs> and and I and I saw her at come from away. And and we were talking and I was trying to show my girlfriend Steffi's audition. Yeah. And it was on YouTube. And and I had forgotten that because there was four of us, mm -hmm. that every day when we were doing those uh, the first level auditions, um, one of us would be the tiebreaker. Yeah, we would take turns being the tiebreaker. And when Steffi came in, I was the tiebreaker. Oh, really? And it was a tie, and it was wow. my decision that put her through. Wow. And so and she probably remembers that more than you did. She, she I don't oh, she think didn't. she did <laughs> because I sent her the clip and I said, yeah. you can thank me. <laughs> like, and jokingly, and she goes, yeah. she goes, I completely forgot that it was because of you I got through. Yeah. Because I could have easily went no and she wouldn't have gone through because I was the tiebreaker and yeah. it was a tie. Yeah. There were times where it was unanimous with yeah. us and there were times where it wasn't. Yeah. So we had to have, uh, basically you had two votes that day. And it was, and it carried through for the whole day. Yeah. So if 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 you happen to come through and that particular and you were the judge, other yeah, <laughs> you're out of luck. Right. Wow. Now, so so that's why I, I I couch, you know, the idea of discovering talent. Yeah. Uh, with that show differently is because it wasn't just me. Yeah. And yeah. there were circumstances that sure. would, and it got to the point also when we had to pick the top 20 to go live, yep. we had to represent the country. We yes. couldn't just have 20 people from Ontario. Yeah. Right. So there were actually some singers who maybe didn't get their shot 
because we had to have someone from Newfoundland and someone from from yeah. the other eastern provinces and someone from Alberta, and we had to represent the country. So it became a little bit more of a casting yep. thing. They still all had to be good. Yeah. And we knew we needed at least 10 great. Yeah. Yeah, once you get through the 10, then it was, okay, what, what does the distribution look like? Right. And, right. and you had to sense. do it. Yeah. You had to represent the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the intent behind it too, right? Right. You, it's a national show. Yeah. You can't, you know, just have everybody from one yeah. one place. And okay. and but what we found over time, yeah, is we knew that someone from Newfoundland, if they if they got in the twenty, yeah, would be guaranteed to get in the ten. Oh, really? Yeah. Just because of the voting, like the entire. Rock would be voting for them. Yes. <laughs> makes, right? makes sense. But I do ten, recall that. If actually. you're in the 10, yeah. it couldn't guarantee you a yeah. win. Yeah. Or, but it can get you through to there. But because the 20 was, um, the votes were split so much more yeah. with uh, across the way we did those shows, yeah. that, uh, that uh, you know, the Newfoundland vote could get you to get the you 10. <laughs> so we knew whoever we were picking from Newfoundland, yeah, that one the of them <laughs> was going to be top 10. Wow. Interesting. So that, but you learned that. Yeah. You know, you learned things. You yeah, learned, overseas, I remember, I guess. Right? I remember the first top 10 show we did, the guy who had, who was the head of, uh, at the time, who was the head of Fremantle. Yep. Who was, um, uh, he was the president of Fremantle out of England because they controlled the rights. And yeah. so because it was a franchise show, there was certain things you had to do. And him and I were talking before in the afternoon that day. We were at rehearsals and we were talking. And he says to me, he says, you know, when you're making your predictions, you know, for the next round, yeah. always keep in mind that if someone got kicked off. Yeah. Who's going to get their votes? Oh, right. It's kind of like an election. <laughs> like, 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 like. I mean, it is an election, but it's it's like you know everybody kind of vow, vying for the other person's votes as they go along, too, right? Well, it's, especially if you have multiple nominees to be yeah. a candidate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One it's swings like, to the other. It's like if if you know in the case of America, right? If like yeah. if it's you know Elizabeth Warren against. And and Bernie Sanders and all of those against yeah. the others. Once if one drops. one drops out, where are those votes going to go? What yeah. can? And right. you hear that all the time, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was like, ah, I get yeah. that. Yeah. I get that. So it would always. So because what would happen is, is someone would get kicked off, and then the following week, we would we would do the the live show. Yeah. And then we would do the results show, and before the results show started off the top, they would ask us what our prediction was. Yeah, yeah. So it would be an informed decision right? knowing that if this kind of person got kicked off last week, right. there's a good chance that the person most like them would actually soar up. Right. Even though they may have been down the week before. Because they would never give us the vote totals. Yeah. Ever. But you could intuitively just from figure out what happened right. the week before right. or when the, the vote happened. Right. But huh. that also told you, like, you know, in the case of um, Ryan Malcolm, who won the yep. first season, um, Ryan never actually came first in any one performance. Yeah. But he never came last either. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. So that he sounds just like politics. Sort of, he just sort of he just sort of chugged along. As long as you can clip along. And I'm not saying he wasn't yeah. talented or anything. No, no, but, but 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 he never actually, you know, the other ones were killing each other, and yeah. he was just maintaining yeah. through the whole thing. He was Picking the tortoise. Up as he went. He was the tortoise, right? <laughs> right. You know. So interesting. So there, there's a data game for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right? that's it, right? Yeah. Huh. Uh, okay. So, so most people would never like, and that's the thing about me is I've always had an analytical mind. Yeah. Well, that's if you're thinking through it. Right. It's the same thought process. It's right. really just what's available to you to be able to make the decision. Right. right? So I've always thought that way. I've always had an, an, an analytical mind. In fact, I was on the phone yesterday with a uh, a tech company that I can't, I won't talk about, but. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about what they're doing, because yeah. they're thinking about bringing me on as an as an advisor, yeah, and I said to them, "What about the data? Yeah, that's involved in this. Like that's valuable asset. Yeah, have you thought about how we could use the data? And these are two f- fairly experienced tech guys in San Francisco. Yeah, who that hadn't even crossed their mind. Oh, and and that's where the value is in so many places now. Right, like that's that's yeah. what they're leveraging in so many of them now." Um, Jake, you mentioned that um, your your career now. I mean, you've been managing for almost forty years. Yeah. So that is a that's a it's a huge chunk of work, but it's also you've probably had to evolve what you do, how you go through things. You know, how do you? Uh, and and again, this is in in your role or any other role. How do you how do you stay relevant in in something too where it's such um it's such a changing kind of environment. Are you talking about time. a young person's business that I'm old? Well, hey, I'm 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 up there no, too. No, but I so, think but, I think you're inferring that. I, I am and, a little bit. Can, you I can mean, say you can say okay. it straight up. Like, yeah, I, it's it's a young you, person, but, but it also shifts and it shifts so much. I'm a 61 year old millennial. Okay, that's the. Okay, yeah. I am. I I have a girlfriend. I don't have children. Yeah. Right. Um. I I live a very very young lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I was, ha- I have a partner that works on fashion Santa with me yeah. and he's 36 yeah. and, and his name's Eric Warner, another music manager guy. Yeah. And he commented to me about something we're using in an ad and he thought, thought it was a se- spelling mistake. And I said to him, <laughs> no, it's a play on words. Yeah. I, and I literally wrote him, this is this morning. And I said, this is what the kids say. I said, <laughs> well, he's 36. And I said, you know? <laughs> I said, you're too old, man. Yep. And he goes, writes me back. That's why I have you to, to keep me young. <laughs> and he's like almost half my age. Yeah. Right. But it's like, I'm aware. Yeah. So I think relevance is only is how relevant you want to be. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there are plenty of people that see me as old school and over the hill and yeah. you know like they, yeah. they'd rather work with someone young or whatever yeah and the other thing is as i don't probably um i'm less likely to have uh, the energy just because i know how long it takes to take on a, a baby baby band yeah right yeah. i have an assistant who's a manager himself i've i mentor yeah. him and we've taken on a couple of young acts that he looks after that they're they're not technically on our roster, but they're his, but he's partners with me on it. Yeah. And I'm mentoring him on the acts and everything else because he's got the energy to do that, the baby, baby band. Yeah. It, it, plus, it's time management. It's yeah. like, you know, I only have so much time. And just from a straight fiscal responsibility, I have to generate revenue for the company to keep the doors open and sure. everything else. And 
if I'm spending all my time on something that isn't making any money and may not make money for five years, then I'm not really doing it right. Yeah. You know, I could do that early in my career when nothing was, when everything was like that. Yeah. But now, you know. Well, and I, I would argue that that brings a different level of value to your clients, right? Like that, not just your experience, but also when when you are with a specific client, you're you're pretty darn focused on them. I would assume. Yeah, and that's the other thing is I don't take on like forty acts. Like yeah. that's not how I work. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, because I I I'm very much a very hands on manager. Okay. Because um, you know how people would always say, "Don't sweat the small stuff." Yeah, yeah. I say it's all about the small stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's when you have the time and are focused on it. Yeah. That's the stuff that probably makes yeah. the difference. And there's a difference industry. between micromanaging and all about the small stuff. Yeah. There's a difference. Okay. So what's what's the difference from your end? Well, I think that that um, you know, when, when we when we used to send out all the newsletters for the hip, the um the the guy who managed that stuff for me would send them to me first. Yeah. And I would go through them. And I would change one word here and one word there. Oh, you knew what was in one there. Word there and one word yeah. there. <laughs> right. Only because there's different ways to say the same thing that can elicit different responses. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. Yeah. And so that's small stuff. Now, some people would say, why are you micromanaging the newsletter? And I would be it's because like, it's all part of the messaging. Yeah. There's a voice to it. Right. It's and you have to understand that. Yeah. So those are those kinds of things, right? You know, spelling mistakes. Yeah. Um, you know, just stuff. Yeah. Just All stuff like that, that can to, hurt to, right the that, brand. So for lack of a better <laughs> or term. the community or whatever you want to call it. Right. Okay, so what so what do you have coming up in 2020? What's some of your big stuff? Uh, well, Commandeers back in the uh -huh. studio, and uh, we're just getting the next five tracks mixed, so we should have a release with them coming. Um, the Pursuit of Happiness will probably do some festivals yeah. and and yeah. that fashion. Mo Mo does some work with you, right? Aside well, from I, just uh, the band work. And well, no, too, right? I, in fact, that's how it started. Is yeah. I ma I manage Mo as a record producer. Yeah. And and then there was this kind of resurgence of people asking for the pursuit. So we put together yeah. a 30th anniversary of Love Junk and, you know, special edition. Cool. Yeah. And so the band gets together to play when it's called for. We're not they're not a touring act per yeah. se. Yeah. So they all have jobs. You know, yeah. Brad Barker, the bass player is at Jazz FM and you know, so they all have you know, Mo actually teaches at Fanshawe. He teaches production oh, at Fanshawe. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So if you go to Fanshawe and learn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> record production, Mo will be your teacher. You know? <laughs> That's very cool. Right. So, um, and I work with some some really good uh, uh, producers who are composers as well. Russell Broom, who does all the music for Jan Arden's show and co-writes with her and yeah. has produced a lot of her stuff. Uh, Dan Hosh, who works with Wild Rivers. Um, yeah. He's a producer as well uh, and a writer. So it's and Lawrence Curry is also a producer, um, engineer, mixes a lot of records. He did all the early Sloan stuff. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, plus I work with authors. I'm actually consulting an audiobook company oh, that cool. um, that has uh, they're one of the biggest audiobook companies in Poland. Um, oh. Well, they're the biggest in Poland, one of the biggest in Europe. Yeah, and they've they opened up in Toronto a little over a year ago. They have studios here, 
and what they're doing is is they're um, they're going out and licensing a lot of books that came out originally, you know, uh, in paper, yep. but have never been made into audiobooks that are still popular. Really? So I'm I'm bringing them titles. Yeah, yeah. So we've already done we've already licensed in the first month or so. So I've been on and off relationship with the guy just because he he licensed one of my other clients' books and did an audio book on it. Yeah. Um, and then we started this relationship where it was like, you know, I want to do more books. Yeah. And I said, well, why don't I go find them for you? Yeah. So we've already done 20 books. Wow. So we haven't recorded them yet. But, yeah. But we've done the licenses. Them, you've got them. Yeah, I got yeah, everything. But there's so many out there. Yeah. When you think about how many books yeah. have how not been made right? into audio books. Yeah. And, uh, and so he does the reads, he hires actors, or even if it's first person, they'll read it themselves if yep. they can read, you yep. know, cause it's not easy. A lot of people think it's easy. It's not easy. Yeah, no, no. Right. No. To actually the do skill the, to do the, to, to do the, the read. voiceovers. Yeah. Stuff, so, yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm doing that, you know, um, have consulted a few tech companies and yeah, lots. Of, so stuff all over the place now. And I have some real estate. I have a real estate business. Wow. So you're you're busy. I I as I, busy as you want to be. I could always be busier. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I'm not. I don't. Um, I don't live to work. Yeah. But um, I'm not that person. Yeah. Because I, I choose when I take my time off. Yeah. You know, I set boundaries with my clients. Yeah. Um, but if I want to spend 10 hours or 12 hours or 18 hours because I'm really passionate about something I'm working on, then yeah. I will do it. Yeah. And if I don't, I won't. Yeah. And that's the beauty of working for yourself. Yeah, like having having the choice. Right. You, know, you don't necessarily work. And that's why I say in in my business, is, it's, it's not like I work less. But I have a little more control over my time and and when. Oh, I do the, what my I do. Uber driver was telling me the exact same thing yeah. last <laughs> night. How much he likes the fact that he he doesn't have a boss. Yeah, yeah. like that was his favorite part of the job yeah. that he didn't have a boss. The only one you can complain about is right. yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I I, I always say um, I hate my job because I hate my boss. Yeah. 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 Okay, so the one thing we always ask every every person who comes on the show right. is um, to get kind of two or three kind of quick steps. But we're gonna we're gonna say it very specifically for you, um, for anyone out there who's having to find um, find talent, talent in a very general sense of the word. So it might be somebody who's trying to find it for their business, might be somebody trying to find it in the same kind of context as you. What would you say would be kind of two or three things, two or three steps to do to be able to to Get a little closer to that to be able to to find your way to good. Well, talent. I'll I'll give you a, I'll give you an example that recently yeah. happened. Okay, okay. Um, my girlfriend works uh, uh, in our in in my industry, and it was just by chance she applied for a job, a bunch yeah. of different jobs, and she actually got this job. Works for with with one of the collective societies, yeah. And one of the people she works with, um, uh, she came over. Uh, she brought she came. She brought her over to the house one day, and we were talking. And this woman uh, is a you know um, local promoter of of ethnic ethnic um, acts that are, that are her ethnicity. Yeah, and and I could tell from talking to her that she had her shit together. Yeah, yeah. Like I went, yeah. This this girl's she could be a star. Like yeah. she could be a star in what she does. Yeah. And I said to her, "Would you ever think about moving to the Middle East?" 
And she said, why do you say that? And I said, because I have a friend yeah. who is heads up one of the biggest concert promotion companies in the world in the Middle East. Yep. And he recently meant to me that they're ever expanding and they're looking for more people. I said, I think he would hire you because I know I can tell. And yeah. I wrote him and I said, I just found a star for you. So now they're talking. Really? Now, I don't know well, when they're going to yeah. meet. But that was an example that that I I was able to recognize that this person had their shit together. Yeah. And that could definitely be someone that could to grow and to be really yeah. successful at what she does. And there's a part with being the connector too, right? Like it seems like, you know, you've... I knew we were going to go Gladwell you know, at some point. Yeah, yeah well, no, it, it's just, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it sounds like that's that's a big part of what you do as well, right? I mean, that's... that's no, but when I wrote him and I said, I think I found you someone really great. Yeah. Um, you have to understand that I was this guy's mentor for many years. Yeah. So when I tell him I found someone he already trusts you that it's that's the maven side yeah 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 <laughs> okay if we want to go there okay obviously we do <laughs> right. so so i'm saying like i don't know how to tell someone where do you find them yeah i think you have to have your eyes and ears open all the time yeah so it's not a matter of of um oh i'm gonna go look for something it's it's no, no different than you know um when you think about relationships you know, romantic relationships. It's yeah. like the ones that actually happen, happen because no one was actually looking. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like yep. that's when it happens. Yeah. When the, there's magic and there's a spark and the, and it's no different than anything else. So as long as you're conscious and aware, there's a good chance that you're going to come across somebody, you know, sitting at a desk looking at resumes yep. is not going to, you know... Although, if you read um, Gladwell's latest book, Talking <laughs> to Strangers, yeah. he diffuses all of that. He says, you know, the arguments that he makes in that is that it's it's better not to meet somebody. Better to make your decision based on, you know, on just the, on, on the, what's on the paper. What's, on, what's the on the paper, that. yeah. And he and he has all, all kinds of examples yeah. on how um, – how uh, the the uh, that your own biases will will right. actually influence your right. decision unknowingly. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, it's the unconscious and learn biases, bias piece, right? And learn yeah. biases. Learn and biases. That's that's a huge thing in in recruitment. Right. People are trying to figure out does it make sense to at least get down to a number of people for everybody some technology always, or whatever. But it everybody is. always has to do the interview. Right? Somebody has to, right? There's, there's right. always that human component, and it's right. where do you where do you bring that in? And well, how do and you at least make sure your biases are more? You're more aware of your biases. Yeah, but it's subconscious. It's still gonna Ninety percent. People are people. Subconscious so. 90%, yeah. Jamie. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, ask there, Freud, right? Ask yeah. Freud, <laughs> right? So, yeah. but uh, interestingly enough, um, he used, he, he, he equated it to, um, one of the things he talked about was blind auditions for the symphony. All right. Where they sit behind a curtain. Yeah. So they're not being judged by purely age or gender or anything else. They're yeah. purely being judged by how they sound. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah. So it sounds like I'm 
it's a recommendation for his book. It's it's a it's a good book. No, it's any it, anytime it, you can bring his stuff in is uh, it's, it's is a, a good thing. It's a good book. <laughs> um, yeah. um, uh, but uh, um, but he he just points out some interesting things. It's yeah. definitely a darker book than anything than he's ever others. written before. Yeah. But um, yeah. but he talks about that. Yeah. So so would I have necessarily um, known that this person that I met was good for the job if I had only seen it on paper? Yeah. Probably not. But the one thing I know in my business yeah. is that stars are important. Yeah. No matter what. Having personality, presence. Charisma. Charisma, all of I, that, I, that is was different. Right? When I first started in the business in 1981 – um, there was a guy that ran one of the biggest agencies in the country yeah. and, and he would always call me into his office to hang out. Cause I used to like hang out with all the agents trying to get gigs for my first band I managed. And, and that was my thing, hang out and hopefully, you know, stuff will fall from the tree. Right. Yeah. And he called me into his office one day. He goes, you're going to be a big manager one day. And I said, why? He goes, cause you got personality. Yeah. Yeah. So he spotted it. Yeah. And so. You know, back to again, spotting charisma. Yeah. Whether it's in Fashion Santa or yeah. Gord Downey or a talented executive. Yeah. You know. All right. All right. On that note, um, again, uh, th this has been a really interesting conversation, Jake. But I mean, from my end, partially because I'm, I'm a huge hip fan, which is kind of cool too. But, um, but I mean, um, being able to, to kind of have that deeper discussion is, is pretty, pretty cool. So I'm thank glad you for enjoyed taking it. the time. I really appreciate it. Um, and so everybody listening, just uh, make sure you check out any of Jake's stuff. Um, you'll see it all over. Um, do you have a, a website for? Uh, yeah, it's just mgmtrust.ca. All right. Okay. So, so check that out. And uh, again, um, when you go on to the, the podcast on any of your podcast uh, platforms, make sure you hit subscribe. Give us a review and, and say kind of what you what you thought about Jake's stuff, and we'll make sure we uh, we connect you into a an upcoming episode, and uh, we'll see you again next time on uh, Big Idea, Big Moves. Mm -hmm.